0: Hello everybody, welcome to Sam and Rhiannon's podcast um, Today we're going to be talking about the pelvis And with our anatomy series we're doing 10 things you need to know So this is 10 things you need to know about the pelvis And that's my baby in the background, hang on <laughs> I thought he had gone to sleep <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Anatomy and Embryology podcast after a long hiatus of about a year.
0: Hi Rihanna oh, Hello Samuel. How you doing, you alright? Yes, I'm very well, thank you.
1: Because we haven't been speaking that much, have we? Because you've been having a baby, which I think we mentioned last time.
0: Yeah, they kind of get in the way of things. Yeah, little Dexter, he's um, upstairs not asleep yet. So, um, fingers crossed, we'll be able to run through this. Okay. So you
1: might get the odd squawk.
0: Yeah, he's um, nine months now.
1: Shall we fill the listeners in and remind them what the hell we're doing and what's happened over the last year? Of course, if you're listening to this in series, you won't hear a gap of a year. But we're yeah. doing an anatomy podcast, and this podcast is going to be the 10 things you really should know about the pelvis. Yep. Anatomically speaking, that is. Mm. And uh, about a year ago, when was Dexter born? Um, March. March. So about a year ago, we recorded the last one, which is a terrible gap. But we've started a new medicine course at Swansea, so we've completely revamped everything we're doing, all the anatomy is different, and you have been having babies, which is a fairly big thing. And
0: Well, yes, and a very good excuse not to do anything else, I've found.
1: They take up a lot of time, like you say.
0: They really do.
1: But it's good fun, right?
0: Yes. So how, oh, is, yeah.
1: how is Dexter?
0: <laughs> um, he's very well, he's very funny. Um, some of the students who I'm friends with on Facebook can see pictures of him on there, um, trying to keep everyone up to date with his growth. Um, but he's a little blonde bombshell, really.
1: I would say like you.
0: Oh, Little but he's doing alright.
1: And like your husband, who's a big blonde bombshell.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are definitely like quite a lot of similarities. He looks like Robin, I think.
1: But he's not surfing yet.
0: Not yet, but he does have swimming lessons, he's pretty good.
1: In in Devon when they do swimming lessons, is there a surfboard nearby or?
0: Well, there's like a float that's pretty much a
1: surfboard. <laughs> so he's getting acclimatised.
0: Yes. Mm. so yeah no we're very well and we're glad to be back so what
1: we're going to do is we've got 10 things to talk about 10 parts of the pelvis we want to talk about but last the last one was almost an hour long which i think isn't really ideal for most people i thought we'd record this in two halves so try and create two half hour podcasts so in this yeah. one we'll do one to five and in the following one we'll do six to ten and we'll record it in bite sizes, which is, is a bit easier to record with uh dexter trying to be involved right
0: yeah, quite. Yeah.
1: So, should we go through the list? What are the ten yes. things we've got that we want to talk about?
0: Okay. Well, the first thing we really want to talk about is the levator ani muscle, or the pelvic floor, if you like. Uh-huh. Talk about that. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is the sciatic nerve. Um, and we're going to briefly touch on the anastomoses in the female reproductive system. Yep. The fourth thing we're going to talk about is the sympathetic and the parasympathetic innovation to the male reproductive system.
1: Oh, that's a tricky one, that is.
0: That's a juicy one. And then oh, five five is um, the path of the ureter.
1: Okay, that's good. Yeah, it relates to kidney stones and stuff. So that's the five we're going to try and do in this podcast. Then the following podcast are going to be... So number six is we're going to talk about the vas deferens. Uh, yeah. Number seven, we're going to talk about the oz. Or the Oz's? Yes. Oz's? Oz, the Oz. So, yeah, Oz. Part of the, the Oz is, are. Yeah, to try and work out what the hell they are. Uh, then we're going to talk about uh, the relationship of the major viscera in the pelvis. So, in the female pelvis, bladder, vagina, rectum. Bladder is anterior, rectum is posterior. Then we're going to talk about the ligaments of the female reproductive system, because that's tricky. That's mm. going to be tricky to talk about.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, how all those organs are held in place. Yeah. And finally, probably most important of all, number 10, the sensory innervation to the external genitalia.
0: <laughs> so we'll build up to that.
1: I, yeah, if you've got a knife in that area, what not to cut?
0: Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made me feel funny then. That okay, the that sounds podcast? brilliant, Sam. Yeah, no, I look yeah. forward to yeah. doing all those.
1: <clears throat> okay, so uh, levator ani then, should we talk about the, that? I mean, it's a muscle, as you said, but it's, kind of a, it's a muscular sheet made up of three muscles, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and they get grouped together. They're called the levator ani. But I actually really like this muscle because for ages (laughs) I didn't get it. For ages I didn't get it. And then I realized, you know, I broke it down and realized the three different muscles that, you know, make up the levator ani. And then I had a baby. And all of a sudden, it's very important.
1: Ah. Why is it important in having a baby?
0: Um, (laughs) Well, basically, if you don't do your, if you don't exercise this muscle, you can have all sorts of trouble afterwards you know, incontinence and things like
1: that. Yeah. So the pelvic floor is, uh, is kind of a hammock, as some people describe it, of muscles on the bottom, at the bottom of the pelvis, forming the, you know, the floor of the pelvis, the pelvic floor, which is holding the pelvic viscera in place, whether you have a rectum, a prostate gland and a bladder, or whether you have a vagina, a uterus, a bladder and a rectum. Or so, you know, it's holding all that in place. And everything that leaves the pelvis that goes through the bottom of the pelvis has to go through the levator ani muscle and as the levator ani muscle is under somatic control but many of those structures are under autonomic or involuntary control you can hold on to your levator ani muscle to stop stuff coming out right
0: oh hang on i'm just doing a few exercises
1: (laughs) Ah, like uh, like when you sneeze when you sneeze you have to hold on to your levator ani to make sure nothing comes out the bottom bottom oh mm-hmm. sorry didn't mean that and that when you cough <laughs> and likewise when and you cough as well yeah and
0: you, and you cough and like you know remember those um pictures you've seen are the weightlifters
1: uh, i haven't seen those pictures i have had them described <laughs> to me
0: and they they haven't got strong enough um levator ani obviously
1: that's right so part of the anal canal comes through levator ani and yeah Yeah. prolapses so the levator ani is very very important it is somatic it is a muscle that we can control so it is a muscle like you say you can do exercises with levator ani itself is three muscles on either side kind of puborectalis pubococcygeus and iliococcygeus puborectalis is most is closer to the midline that's right most medial and iliococcygeus is most lateral so the where what they attach to is in the name now, in the prosection, when you're trying to dissect this region, the the reason we call it the levator ani is because it's very difficult to separate these three muscles out, right? It's really hard to see where each one is. But they are distinct muscles. So puborectalis is kind of a sling, isn't it? It's kind of a loop that goes yeah. from the pubis bones of the pelvis back, so posteriorly and around the rectum or the anal yeah. canal It kinks the rectum. So when, while the rectum is kinked, nothing will pass through the anal canal so you have to relax your puborectalis to straighten out your rectum and anal canal to uh, to be able to defecate pubococcygeus well that's a muscle that passes from the pubis bone to uh the coccyx yeah and that loops
0: around as well doesn't it it's a similar shape to the puborectalis
1: it is yeah and iliococcygeus um Goes from the ilium part of the pelvis to the coccyx. I'll take some photos and I'll label them up of the, the pelvic bones and stick those into the enhanced podcast if you're listening to the enhanced podcast.
0: Yes, excellent.
1: So, so that's pretty straightforward, right?
0: Yeah, so not too bad.
1: No, as long as you're aware of the bones and the ligaments and what have you of the, the pelvic bones, then uh, it's quite easy to work out where the pelvic floor is and what those three muscles are. Also. In the pelvic space, we have ischiococcygeus, which is just outside the vetarenei, the, the obturans, obturator internus muscles and the piriformis muscles, which are really part of hip mo- hip movement, right, hip rotation. Mm-hmm. And they're forming also part of the walls and the floor of the pelvic space there. So all of those muscles, So, say the bladder, for example, is in between obturator internus on either side and sits upon levator anus. it was held in place by those muscles and the other viscera around it it's not really it's not really held in place very well apart from at the neck at the base but uh, it's held in place by those muscles it's
0: a very important supporting
1: yeah we mentioned the gaps so in the female pelvis there are gaps to allow the anal canal the urethra and the vagina to pass through the bladder is always anterior so the urethra is anterior so it's urethra vagina anal canal uh and in the male pelvis there are holes for the uh the urethra and the anal canal. Urethra. So yeah. yeah. It's very important in incontinence. Okay. So that's Brilliant. the Vatorenae in a nutshell. Now what about the sciatic nerve? That was number two on the list. Oh the big Sorry?
0: The big old sciatic nerve. Yeah. Biggest nerve yeah. in the body. That's right. It's long and it's fat as well
1: it's long and it's fat yeah Yeah. oh god still on pelvic anatomy aren't we uh (laughs) so the sciatic um okay would you go on
0: i was gonna say okay what do you need to know about the sciatic nerve you need to know where it comes from where it originates from and that's it starts from the lumbar spinal nerve l4 and has input all the way down to the sacral nerve s3
1: Yes, there's a lot of input. So it's involved in the lumbar plexus and the sacral plexus. Mm. Yep. it's uh, It really comes together as its own nerve on the surface of piriformis muscle within the pelvis. We just mentioned piriformis <laughs> forming, forming one of the walls, or forming parts of the walls of the pelvis. Yeah. On the top of piriformis, that's where the sciatic nerve starts to form and then usually it disappears out it gets out through the pelvis through the greater sciatic frame and passing just inferior to the piriformis muscle sometimes yep. it goes through piriformis and sometimes piriformis itself can um hassle the sciatic nerve and give a little bit of I really didn't know that. yeah it sometimes occurs in athletes but then once it's once it's out through the sciatic, greater sciatic frame and it then runs down the back of the leg runs uh, deep to
0: the gluteus maximus yeah doesn't innovate anything in your bum your no. your buttocks
1: no it goes straight through yeah uh and then runs down through the posterior compartment of the thigh so innovating those knee flexors the hamstrings and the hip extensors there hip extensors yeah hip extensors uh and then splits into two nerves which then continue down the lower leg sorry or the leg, as we say anatom- anatomically, because we say the thigh and the leg, don't we? So yeah. it innovates in all the muscles in the leg and the foot and the skin of the leg. So it has a fairly big job to do.
0: Yeah, and it, just so that and nobody's confused, it when it splits, it splits into the tibial and the common peroneal nerves, okay? Yeah. Or, so they're the or, ones that go on to innovate the uh, muscles of the leg and foot.
1: And when we say peroneal, we also mean Arches. fibula. You know, peroneal or fibula. So we're not talking about uh, perineal in the pelvis. We're talking about yes. peroneal, fibula. Peron. Yeah, the lateral uh, leg. Um, Mm -hmm. So why are we harping on about the sciatic nerve then? Why is that important?
0: Um, Well, because if, um, well, it is big, but also if it gets damaged or has irritation to it or anything like that, um, which is incredibly common, um, you get something called sciatica.
1: Which I I guess, yeah, I guess pretty much everybody in the audience has heard of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, everyone's always, oh, my sciatica's really playing up.
1: Yeah, the symptoms of sciatica are pain where the nerve runs. So often pain, certainly pain in the lower back, often in the buttocks, and certainly down the posterior leg, right? And of course it's usually... Yeah, but it's normally... (laughs) Sorry. And it's usually on one side, isn't it? Because one nerve is affected, or the other is.
0: Yeah. Yep. and... um... Causes of sciatica can be quite varied, but they're generally to do with um, something in the vertebrae, something not right in the vertebrae. So you've got a slipped disc or you've got spinal stenosis, so a narrowing there, or you've got um, a misalignment of the vertebrae or anything like that, really. Um, And then so that has a knock on effect of.
1: So um, so one of those things are impinging upon one of those many roots of the sciatic nerve and giving you that sciatic pain. So what about pregnant women? Because pregnant women always get sciatica, right?
0: No, so not true. Um, Basically, pregnant women are obviously carrying a lot of extra weight. I certainly was. Um, But they're more prone. And because of the extra weight, they're more prone to um, any kind of disc damage rather than being prone to sciatica. So sciatica could kind of be an indirect um, cause, if you see what I mean. Uh
1: Uh-huh. So the uterus isn't yeah the the uh, fetus in the uterus isn't squashing down on the sciatic nerve and causing sciatica or anything like that then no it's just uh, no
0: it's all through the vertebrae
1: so whenever we're looking at sciatica we're thinking about uh, the back we're thinking about discs we're thinking about the lumbar plexus and the sacral plexus and particularly the lumbar plexus yeah yeah and the lumbar parts okay yeah good yeah sciatic nerve number two done job done number three female reproductive anastomoses um,
0: yeah good luck with that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well there's okay this, really this gives a bit of an excuse to talk about some embryology um so there is a key anastomosis in the pelvis in the female pelvis particularly whereby um, you'll remember that the gonads start to develop by the kidneys right and mm-hmm. as they descend following the gubernaculum into the pelvis or as the my favorite itself, word as the embryo lengthens gubernaculum the rudder um it trails behind it. It's uh, blood supply. So the gonadal yeah. arteries, in this case the ovarian arteries, trail from the uh, trail from say the aorta at the level of the renal arteries up there somewhere. Trail down into the pelvis on the posterior abdominal wall. So the ovaries have their own blood supply directly from the aorta. Now the uterus takes its blood supply from the iliac arteries. So the aorta splits to two common iliac arteries left and right the common iliac arteries will then split to internal and external iliac arteries the external iliac artery will run down into the lower limb as the femoral artery right whereas the internal iliac artery disappears into the pelvis and that's the big artery that's supplying all the viscera within the pelvis the internal iliac artery will split to give an anterior trunk and various posterior bits. And the anterior trunk gives off a number of branches to the bladder and uh, to the uterus and to the vagina and to the rectum and uh, to the external genitalia and so on. So with respect to the uterus, uh, the uterine artery comes from the internal iliac artery. Now, the uterine artery meets the ovarian artery through a couple of routes there's uh, there is the the ovarian ligament so the suspensory ligament of the ovary continues as the ovarian ligament linking the ovary to the uterus and within that is a blood vessel which is both which is linking the uterine artery and the ovarian artery also there is an artery running along the uterine tube the fallopian tube which also links the ovarian artery and the uterine artery so there's an anastomosis there right we have blood mm. running from the aorta and blood running from the internal iliac artery. And they're both meeting up in the region of the uterus and the ovary. So we have an important anastomosis. If one of these arteries is compromised, then there's an alternate flow of blood either from the aorta or from the internal iliac artery. Two major, major vessels. Mm. So that's important, right? Yeah. Probably.
0: it's I shut up in that. I was t- concentrating.
1: But it, it, I think that is really is one of the ten things you must know about the... Uh, pelvis Brilliant. okay number three that's uh, female reproductive anastomosis that's the main anastomosis i want to talk about there is another one but i don't really want to talk about it do i
0: i don't know what are you talking about
1: well okay so i mentioned the middle rectal artery which is a branch from the internal iliac artery so that supplies the rectum. However, of course, the rectum is part of the hindgut. The hindgut takes its blood from the inferior mesenteric artery. So there are also the uh-huh. anastomoses between the inferior mesenteric artery. Yeah, okay. And the same, mm. and that's probably more important for the venous side because that's one of the portosystemic venous anastomoses. So the veins from the distal parts of the gut, so the anal canal, are going to drain to the uh, iliac veins and the inferior vena cava and so on. Whereas the veins from the uh, superior part of the anal canal, you know, the parts that were from the hindgut, are going to drain to the inferior mesenteric vein, which are going to drain back to the liver. Right? So part of that part of the gut drains back to the liver and part of it drains back to the systemic circulation so we have a portosystemic anastomosis between the veins which is crucial so if your liver is blocked and will not allow blood to flow through it that's an alternate route through which blood will flow and will probably cause hemorrhoids or piles there are there are other routes as well right through the oesophagus uh this is why i didn't really want to talk about it because it's too big a topic (laughs) but anyway well
0: let's just leave it there shall we um if anyone else wants to rewind and listen to that again be my guest Uh, all right
1: Okay, so that's... Let's talk
0: about interest.
1: Yeah, let's go from the female pelvis to the male pelvis. And you wanted to talk about sympathetic versus parasympathetic innovation to the male reproductive system with regards specifically to erection and ejaculation.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, or as I like to think of it, erection and ejaculation. Okay, try and make this as concise as possible. Basically, the parasympathetic innovation... Um, causes erection um, through a relaxation of the smooth muscles in the artery and so if the muscles are relaxing you can increase the blood flow Um, so that can um, pump up if you like the (laughs) corpus spongiosum and cavernosum everything I say is going to have an area so let's do that all right Um, but also interestingly the venous um, or venosa sorry outflow decreases so blood flow in is increasing and outflow is decreasing so that's how you get this erection um but also i mean and you think about it parasympathetic um is going to be if you think about what the sympathetic does that whole fight and flight thing you're not going to be thinking about that while you're having an erection so parasympathetic (laughs) it makes sense um
1: yeah but parasympathetic rest and digest you're not really resting and digesting either are you
0: all right okay (laughs) i like it though i like it (laughs) Then the so sympathetic innovation so kicks in. So that's parasympathetic then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're ready to go. And then the sympathetic innovation kicks in, causes a peristalsis of the vas deferens, and, which I found quite interesting, it actually closes the internal urethral sphincter. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, because if you do, if, it, if that doesn't work properly, and that can happen, that internal urethral sphincter, um, semen can end up sort of going into the bladder okay that's called retrograde, retrograde ejaculation so it's going completely the wrong way I mean normally it doesn't happen anyway because down the um urethra is going to urethral the urethra is going to be uh, the path of least resistance if you like because obviously if you've got a bladder and you are having to go sperm's not going to want to go back that way it doesn't make sense sure, but, but it, that's it- sphincter
1: If you're a listener and you don't understand that bit of plumbing, go and have a look at some diagrams and have a look at the models to work to remind yourselves of what's going on inside the prostate gland, because it is a little bit tricky to suss out.
0: Mm, Maybe we'll do something on that another time. Anyway, so the sympathetic then, we're getting all the semen that's been accumulated ready for ejaculation. And um, quite simply, you get an orgasm, if you're lucky. (laughs) And that's sympathetic innovation as well. So
1: parasympathetic, then sympathetic, hopefully, yeah. really.
0: Yeah, yeah, so if you're lucky and everything's working properly, parasympathetic, you get an erection and you prepare, the, the semen gets sort of put into the right tubes, and then the sympathetic innovation kicks in, you get your ejaculation proper, and if you're lucky, an orgasm.
1: So then is the loss of the erection just um, a dampening of the parasympathetic innovation, so that uh, blood can then flow out, that the, uh, the less blood flows into the penis... And more blood can flow out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So then everything is, yeah, put a dampener on things. Oh, dampener, oh God.
0: <laughs> like I said, everything you say.
1: This is no good.
0: <laughs> but it's actually, it was actually quite interesting with everything. and. It is yeah. a
1: really interesting piece of uh, neuromechanics, mm. as it were. I think I might mm. have coined a new term there.
0: <laughs> okay, good, excellent. Excellent.
1: So we're on to number five now. Which is, where do the ureters run? Um, So what we mean by this is, what's the path of the ureters from the kidney down into the bladder? And this is relevant, uh, well, it's important to know where they are generally, but also it's it's, it's relevant for stones getting stuck in the ureters at at particular points and what have you. So, yeah. So, Reed, do you want to tell us about the path of the ureter from the kidneys?
0: Uh, Not all the way, but um, I'll start. (laughs) I'll start. Um, there are two ureters, one from each kidney. Um, they start kind of like the renal pelvis, and then they come down. Apparent- they're positioned half in and half out of the renal sinus, okay? And sort of level-wise, just so we know, we're talking like lumbar vertebrae one. Okay, so that- they're that that level. Um then they come out and then they form the ureter proper and then that's the long tube bit. So that's the 25 to 30 metre length. 25
1: to 30 metre oh. ureters? Wow, that's a giant.
0: <laughs> Immense centimetres. <laughs> I've got baby brain. Such a good excuse for everything. Um, so then that part, come, they run down. So they run inferiorly and medially.
1: Yeah, so they start off fairly wide and they're running on the posterior abdominal wall aren't they so they're going to run over psoas major and that sort of thing so this is this is way retroperitoneal this is way under the peritoneum outside that uh, peritoneal sac uh and they drop down yeah into the pelvis now when we looked at the bladder the bladder um the ureters enter the bladder posteriorly don't they yes kind of yeah so the the bladder kind of has this rounded fundus on top on the top of it forming the top Uh, And the ureters enter on either side. And where the two ureters enter and where the urethra leaves, there's a little triangle form there, which is called the trigone, which uh, looks very smooth on the inside. The rest of the bladder looks very folded and corrugated on the inside. And the trigone is where the the urothelium, the epithelium line in the bladder, is quite tightly stuck to the detrusor muscle of the bladder, whereas everywhere else it's a little bit more loosely attached. So they pop in posteriorly. So what... So the ureters run over to get to that point then. So they go over the common so iliac arteries. So they
0: go anterior artery. to the... Sorry, say that again?
1: Yeah, they go over the common iliac arteries on either side, don't they?
0: Yes.
1: Then they go under, under the ovarian vessels, because they're in the suspensory ligament of the ovary. And they okay. And then run around okay. the lateral wall of the pelvis uh, and pop into the posterior wall of the bladder
0: no easy as say all that again
1: so as the ureters are about to enter the pelvis they cross over the common if you take say one ureter on one side it crosses over the common iliac artery and Mm -hmm. usually usually it's about the point that that common iliac artery is about to split into external and internal iliac arteries so it's crossing there and then it's going to cross the pelvic brim which is very obvious if you look at the posterior abdominal wall and the pelvis it's it's, uh, it's that part of the pelvic bones there. There's a clear brim, a clear, a clear rim to the bowl of the pelvis. It crosses that brim there, and then it drops down, follows the bowl of the pelvis to enter the bladder. So in the female pelvis, it's going to be crossed by the ovarian artery. Ah,
0: uh, yes, vessels. and in the male, the gonadal.
1: Well, well, in the male, it's going to get crossed by ductus deferens, almost as, uh-huh. almost when the ureters have got to the bladder. Uh, And in the female pelvis, it's probably going to get crossed by the uterine artery at a similar point, isn't it? And then it's there. It's in. So I know know clinically they say that if there are stones in the ureter, well, that doesn't sound like a nice idea, they're likely to get stuck at these points where the ureter crosses over things like the iliac artery, like the pelvic brim, and so on. Mm. Uh, When the ureters enter the bladder, this is interesting, the bladder, the ureters don't have proper... Sphincters, real sphincters, uh to close off the ureter from the bladder. But they have a physiological sphincter. So the way in which the ureter passes through the detrusor muscle of the bladder means that as the bladder fills, it kind of closes off the ureter. And when the bladder empties, so when the detrusor muscle squeezes the bladder closed, it also closes the ureter. So the, the urine isn't squeezed back up the ureters, but it's squeezed down through the urethra. All right, so that's a handy bit of information coolio there you go so that's one to five that's uh, where do the ureters run plus a little bit more information so that's numbers one to five which is one what I wanted to do for this podcast numbers six. six to ten we'll do in the next one is that okay Ree?
0: that is perfect
1: Samuel thank you I think you need to have your main brain massaged yeah your baby brain I really
0: yes I really do I'll work <laughs> I'll work on it I'll try and borrow another one or something
1: it's good to keep the anatomy going isn't it
0: yeah it's good to keep my brain ticking over
1: yeah me too Brilliant. Anyway. You alright? right? You you, you (laughs) falling asleep now? You sound confused. (laughs) Yeah. Always. Always
0: confused. Where's the ureter? All right. No, that was really good. Actually, it didn't take that long in the end, did it?
1: Okay, then. Thanks, Ree. That was good. Uh, that's revised a bit of uh, pelvis information for me. I find it really difficult to talk about specific parts of the pelvis, but if we talked about the whole pelvis, we'd be here for weeks and weeks and weeks. And these are the bits we chose. So uh, we'll try and edit this and get it out to you. And we'll start recording the next six to ten questions the next time the baby's asleep. Is that right?
0: That sounds fantastic, Samuel. Thank you. See Bye. you, everybody, for the next six.
1: See you soon. Ta-ra.
0: Bye.